Welcome to Heistish, where entrepreneurs learn from the jaw-dropping deeds of trending trademark disputes and alleged intellectual property heist. I'm Ivy, legal analyst, trademark attorney, and host of the Heistish podcast. Today, we'll be talking about recent allegations against Taylor Swift. If you haven't heard, Taylor Swift is currently facing a copyright infringement lawsuit filed by songwriters Sean Hall and Nathan Butler. The songwriters claim that Taylor's hit Shake It Off lifted the lines Play Is Gonna Play and Hate Is Gonna Hate from their 2001 song Play Is Gonna Play, which was performed by 3LW. So I don't know if you guys remember the song uh, or even the group 3LW. 3LW uh, was popular, I guess back in the early 2000s, maybe even the late 90s. But they had this song and it had a, a, a really, you know, it's one of those hooks that you just could not forget. It goes, play us, they gonna play. And hate us, they gonna hate. Yeah, so that's what they're, that's what the songwriters are talking about. And Taylor Swift is this huge megastar now. Um, specifically, her song, Shake It Off, I think won her a Grammy, if I'm not mistaken. And there's parts in that song that reference that same kind of slogan or tagline. So before we get into analyzing this particular dispute, let's first talk about copyright infringement. Before you can file a lawsuit for copyright infringement, you must first have a piece of creative work or a work of original authorship, as they say, um, that is entitled or eligible for copyright protection. So copyright protection is appropriate for your lyrics, photographs, paintings, um, sometimes software, writings. This is of particular interest for the type of creators that put their creative work in some sort of tangible form. So whether it's an author who's writing an actual book or a songwriter who is drafting up lyrics or a photographer who's taking pictures or an artist who makes sculptures, they should all be considering copyright protections for the final work. Now, in order for a work to be eligible for copyright protection, it must, like I just said, be an original work of authorship. It must be fixed in a tangible medium of expression, meaning it has to be written down or in some sort of tangible form. In addition to it being an original, it must possess some sort of creativity, okay? Now, the benefit of registering your copyrights is having a public record of your ownership. A lot of people assume that you have to actually file the copyright application in order to secure copyrights, but the copyrights are um, essentially attached to your creative work once you've put it into tangible form. The extra benefit is registering the copyright with the copyright office so that you don't have to dispute about ownership if there ever is a dispute or a dilemma that arises at a later date. You always want to have record that you are the original creator and entitled to the copyrights and the benefits that come with that copyright. So let's talk about the benefits, right? When you have exclusive copyrights, you are entitled to specific benefit. You have the right of reproduction. You have the right to prepare derivative works, which is basically like a remix or a modified version of the original work. You have the right to distribute. You have the right to license, sell, rent, lease. You essentially have the rights to monetize the creative work over anyone else in the universe, so to speak. So those that's kind of copyrights in short form. There's a lot more to it, but just to kind of introduce you to the topic and explain um, the broader context of this particular dispute, for those who are not familiar with copyrights, 
those are some of the benefits. That's what it takes to do it. And that's what you need in order to file a copyright infringement lawsuit. So let's get back to the dispute. As I mentioned, lyrics can be protected by copyright law. In this particular case, the songwriters that have filed the copyright infringement lawsuit against Taylor will need to establish a few things. First, they'll need to establish that the lyrics play is gonna play and hate is gonna hate is actually unique and original. You know, Taylor's legal team is arguing that the lyrics in question are widely used, not unique, and shouldn't be afforded copyright protection. The songwriters are saying that while it seems like it is of common use in today's society and popular culture is using it frequently, they're saying that at the time that they actually drafted the song, they were the original creators. This is not something that was in heavy rotation. It isn't something that we were seeing and hearing everywhere. They're saying they actually coined the phrase. Okay, so that speaks to the unique piece. Next, they'll have to establish that Taylor had access to the song. Now, in the recent court filings, Taylor actually stated that she had never even heard of 3LW. She had never heard the song. She had not had access to the song. Prior to this lawsuit, she was unfamiliar with the group and the song altogether. Now, I know, you know, social media kind of took that and and is questioning whether or not she's being fully transparent or even honest. But the reality is, you know, she filed this paperwork in court. Um, she is making a statement under the court of law. We have to respect that statement. And if she says she's never heard of it, then that would basically rule out the fact that she had access to the song. Now, you know, she was much younger at the time. <laughs> a lot of people, you know, are kind of turning their faces up like, yeah, okay, maybe, but maybe not, right? But she was much younger at the time. Um, I think she grew up in like the Midwest or something like that. And she says that, you know, prior to being um, in the music industry, she really didn't listen to that type of music. You know, she created her own music. She says that the lyrics were inspired from her time in high school where this was a common phrase and it was kind of, you know, um, a way of expressing how you just want to kind of shake off any negativity, you know, shake off any of the bad vibes and, you know, things are going to happen and you just can't control it. So you got, you got to just keep moving forward. So she says that was her inspiration for the song, Shake It Off. Um, and that she was not influenced or inspired by the lyrics of the 3LW song, let alone the group, because she was unfamiliar with them. Okay. So with that being said, if, if she didn't have access, the songwriters may have a difficult time establishing um, copyright infringement. But then there's still a third prong that they would need to establish as well. And this is not something they would necessarily have to do. This is something that a jury would decide. There would need to be a determination that the songs are substantially similar. And so, but for those lyrics, I don't think that there's, you know, a lot of similarities between the songs. If you, you know, if you want to kind of listen to the songs after hearing this episode, I encourage you to do so because the 3LW song and Taylor Swift song, I mean, but for being like pop hits and upbeat, the only similarities would be the lyrics in question. I think honestly, there needs to be a little bit more to establish that this amounts to copyright infringement. But I'm not on the jury. I'm not the judge. This is just my personal opinion. So I would love to hear from you guys to hear what you think. It's an interesting topic because it does come up frequently, specifically in the music industry. Um, there's often a lot of disputes about whether or not lyrics are being copied, um, whether you know the underlying compositions are being copied or sampled improperly. So this is not uncommon for the courts to review, but I'm very interested to see how this one turns out. So 
the key takeaway and my my recommendation for creators would be if you have any sort of creative work that is eligible for copyright protection, take that additional step to go ahead and register with the U.S. Copyright Office. It does not hurt to have your ownership interest reflected on paper and documented with the federal government because in times when you do have disputes and you can't anticipate what this looks like or when it may happen, you don't want to have to go back and forth about someone saying that they did not, you know, have any knowledge that you were the original creator or had registered copyrights to the creative work. You want to make sure that you eliminate all of the extra he said, she said, what happened, when it happened, how it happened. And you want to be able to just assert your ownership rights with ease so that you can receive what you're entitled to. You're the original creator. You should maintain those rights. And anyone that is infringing on those rights should then be required to compensate you accordingly, whether it's in profits or statutory damages. As the original creator, you are entitled to that. And I want to make sure that you guys are reaping the benefits of your creative works. With all that being said, I'm Legally Ivy. Until next time, protect your brand. Stay connected on Instagram at Heistress Podcast for next week's episode. And if you witness some Heistress conduct or trademark disputes you want to discuss, share with us on Instagram at Heistress Podcast and receive a free Starbucks gift card if we select your topic for the show. This Heistress episode is sponsored by Canarian Hedge, an intellectual property and brand protection law firm. Canarian Hedge protects your business so you can focus on building it. Heistish material has been prepared and provided for educational purposes only and is not intended to constitute legal advice. While I am a lawyer, without an official engagement agreement, I am not your lawyer, and the information provided in each episode does not create a lawyer-client relationship. Please consult legal counsel on your specific situation before making legal decisions about your business.